0: welcome to trinity radio i'm braxton hunter and along with me is matt chisholm matt 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 of the bible brodown this may be the first time you have ever been on any kind of trinity radio thing is that right i think that's it that's right yeah i'm so ashamed about that i'm so sorry (laughs) um let us know if you're out there in the comments section because we're just doing this. At least you may be seeing this later on YouTube, but currently we're just doing this in the Trinity Radio uh, Prime Time group and on Facebook. And perhaps you didn't know that existed, and you can get there by going to Facebook and searching for it. But um, uh, we, we're yeah. So, so this is only for a small group of people who may or may not have shown up. Currently, five have shown up, Matt. And you said one of them is you. <laughs>
1: well, you're not supposed to say that, but yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So we're glad that you're out there. If you are oh we got a thumbs up. Was that also you, Matt? No, that wasn't me. Okay. I love it. Okay.
1: It. Maybe a heart or something.
0: So we did this in the worst possible way. We didn't tell anyone <laughs> that we were gonna do this. We didn't advertise it. We didn't like um put it Line out ahead. anywhere. So and and we really have no plans either. This is just I I thought we've got some free time here, and I never do anything with the Trinity Radio group. So and I haven't talked to Matt in a while. So Matt. We haven't talked and Bible Brodown has been like radio silent. What's happening?
1: Yeah, it's been pretty quiet. Uh, so the big thing for us is, uh, COVID has really changed, uh, Billy's work situation and he just doesn't have the time, uh, to, well, he's already been struggling with time based on his, his promotions, you know, he's saving the world, things like that. But he, uh, just doesn't have the time availability that he used to right now. So getting together with him is hard and I I could keep doing things like I've done in the past where I just find, you know, an early church father or (laughs) last time was Pelagius or something and read it and then talk about it. But I I don't like doing it solo too much because the whole point is the bro down part. And I want to have him there. Right. So,
0: right. I I had a really weird time with that whenever, and Pritchett will see this. He knows we've talked about it, that we used to say it's not really an episode of Trinity radio unless both Pritchett and Hunter are present. And I still kind of feel that way, but um, it's just that, I ever since, let's say this time last year, maybe a little before I started getting people responding to me or to, you know, stuff or or to Jonathan or about the Matt Delonte debate quite a bit. And I thought, I've got to jump on here and and respond to this and Pritchett wasn't always around. And it kind of just snowballed into a bigger thing. And now the audience, I think, is used to two or three uploads a week. And so it's uh, it's taken over my life. But it's also become a pretty. Um, fruitful ministry too. So, um, But I'm glad to have you on here. I see here that uh, we do have Luke Pixler is here. Luke, glad to have you on the show. Glad that you're with us. And um, he's a really cool guy. He's one of our patrons. Uh, But uh, so what are the plans for the future? Do you have a plan for the BroDown? What you're going to do? By the way, for anyone that doesn't know, Matt uh, is a co-host with Billy Wendelin on a show called The Bible BroDown where they mostly tackle... Bible stuff, theology stuff. Um, occasionally, they'll do kind of like a fun episode on something that's kind of paranormal or whatever. But the cool thing about it is, and I think this could be an interesting thing for people to know that don't know. Now, most of the people in this group probably know. But if I get this wrong, correct me. But, um, mm-hmm. Matt, you you and Billy first got together because you found each other doing online gaming and arguing about theology and Calvinism. And you were a Calvinist, and Billy was not a Calvinist. And you guys started arguing through email um, just so like old school that you're arguing through email. I know. And yeah. and now you have that entire list, and you call it the Book of Emails, and people can get that somehow, can't they?
1: Yeah. You go to our website, uh, biblebrowdown.com. Scroll down to the bottom, and I think it's the, the legendary Book of Emails or the Epic Book of Emails, something like that. It's like 120 pages of us back and forth knuckleheads. And and I've had some Calvinists read it. They they affirm my you know Calvinist street cred at the time. They think I lost my mind because I, I gave it up. But still, at the time, I sounded like one of them.
0: True. Uh, but yeah,
1: no, we, we were both big nerds, and we were playing video games together. And,
0: and then, you became you, convinced that Calvinism was false.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah, I wasn't expecting that, obviously. But over time, certain foundational things, total depravity, for instance, uh, it get kicked out of the way, and, and all of a sudden, the rest of it starts to fall. And uh, it's, it's a kind of a precarious situation to be in because you feel a little uncertain about your faith at the moment. But no, I, I, the scripture um, restructured everything for me, right? And and uh, yeah, no, it was um, one of the best experiences of my life, even though it was hard.
0: And now he's like clearly your best friend in the world, right? Aside from your wife, who ipso facto is your best friend. Exactly. Um, yeah, Mark says, hi, I'm here too, so do something interesting, I have ADHD. Uh, we're trying, but no promises today. Not that Matt's not interesting, but just because we have no we have no plans. So and Zom is here. Zom is one of our admins over on YouTube. And so listen, if you guys um, have any comments, questions, I always feel weird saying questions because it's like I'm some kind of guru that that can answer everyone's questions. but uh, but if you do have any questions for us, we'd love to to chat with you. I don't know how Matt Jackson is here because he's currently also doing a live stream with Jonathan Pritchett. So I don't know what's up. <laughs> he's a real multitasker here. But what's up Matthew Jackson? Glad you guys are all on here. This is just a fun kind of uh episode with with me and Matt. So Matt, you and I of the Bible Breakdown guys. Now, Billy's awesome. I've I've hung out in person with both of you guys but in separate places on separate occasions. I was at an event uh where I was speaking and Jonathan was speaking in uh where Wisconsin with yeah. uh with Billy and and uh, his wife, but you you showed up for the Matt Dillahunty debate and were there and we did an interview afterwards on that. Um, I love Billy and Billy and I can connect on other different stuff. But you and I have in, have probably connected more with the specifically apologetics related stuff in the past. And we've had, by the way, Matt and I have an informal debate that we didn't realize was a debate when we were having it that you can yeah. access on the YouTube channel uh, at Trinity Radio, or I'm sorry, youtube.com slash Braxton Hunter, go to the debate section. I put it in the debate section, Matt, and people can, you can listen to us. <laughs> and it's funny because we were using Marco Polo and having this back and forth on the nature of time. And I, I thought this is so great that it would be great for people to be able to see this. So I asked Matt. And Matt said, "Yeah, I'm fine with it. I thought I did well enough. I'm happy with that." So we so I so because it's Marco Polo, I set my camera up on a tripod in the Trinity Radio Studio and used a DSLR camera to record the screen, like record with a camera recording the screen, and that's <laughs> what you're seeing. It's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It looked good. Uh, I will say, uh, like since then, I've thought, you know, uh, I mean, it's been a while since I listened to it, but I know I've evolved over time, and, and <laughs> no pun intended, and changed some of my ideas on how that all works. So we should uh, we should revisit that at some
0: point. You know, we don't have to get too much into it to talk about one light issue related to it. I, I don't know if you got. I think you just said you didn't get to see it yet, or maybe that was somebody else. Did you get to see William Lynn Craig talking with Cosmic Skeptic Alex O'Connor?
1: How recent was that? Just
0: a couple of days ago. No, I haven't seen it yet. Alex, so you know who that is? Cosmic Skeptic. He's like mm-hmm. an atheist yeah. guy YouTube channel, um, Oxford student, and yeah. probably one of the biggest atheist YouTubers out there with like four hundred thousand subscribers. And William Lane Craig agreed to go on a show, and uh, they talked about the Kalam. And when it came to the nature of time, so I, so previously my understanding had been, and I'd read Craig's uh, time eternity you know his book on time Mm -hmm. but he uh, my previous thoughts on what was up there was that craig's thought was okay god is timeless sans the physical universe and he does believe that but then at the moment of creation and simultaneous with the coming into being of the creation god uh god is in time right and uh And so then, so then God, and so the way I frame that up, and I think I did so in our discussion, is God is in time in the sense that he cannot help but be aware of the timeline passing moment by moment for his creatures. And so, even though, you know, as a God standing outside of creation, he's in a timeless state, he might as well be in time in terms of his uh, conscious experience because time has begun for the beings that he's aware of. And so that's kind of how I chalked it up, but it sounded like Craig was going further and saying, no, in some sense he is in time in a more robust way than that. And I was unaware of that. So it's interesting because I was talking to another apologist the other day who, um, was saying that he had talked with Craig about this. And I know I'm kind of spouting off. I'll let you comment in a minute, but, um, he was saying that, uh, you know, he he had always had trouble because of this idea that sounded very much like our discussion, where let's say, hypothetically, God created another universe, not contiguous with our universe, but completely separate, uh, not like part of some multiverse, but another universe. And let's say the timeline, you know, like we had talked about before, from the first moment of creation of that universe, God is aware of time, the passing of time for those beings. And so in that sense, he's in time, quote unquote, But then let's say that whole universe ends, goes through its whole process and ends and goes out of existence so that again, all you have is the timeless state and then God creates a second universe. Okay, well, it seems, it would seem that what has happened is the time came and went, timelessness has come and, and then a new universe has come. And so even in God's timeless state where tenses don't make any sense, right? You would have to say that was before, like temporally before this new universe, which is kind of a point you were driving at where like if God's timeless and then he acts in time and then he comes out again and then he acts in time. Surely from God's perspective, there is a before and an after sort of thing going on there. So uh, I have a way, I think, of of getting around that on my view, but I wonder what your thoughts are on that. And we don't have to go too deep into this.
1: No, it is cool. I I think, well, for me, uh, there is a logical order to the way that he works, right? Hold hold up
0: real quick. Mike Winger, what's this? A Facebook stream with no YouTube? We'll see if it becomes a YouTube thing later, but thanks for showing up, Mike. Uh,
1: It's logical order, right? I mean, when you have that situation where there's some kind of creation and then a break and there's no objective clock out there that's telling us, oh, the break between this creation and the second creation was... bajillion years we don't know Um, God's God's the the standard Uh, and and so the way I've I've come to explain it is that time is is a lot like morality and that it comes from his nature and so uh, I think I explained this to you the the concept of uh, a pendulum he is is kind of the, the pivot point at the top everything contingent upon him which is absolutely everything is, is connected to him, and, and as he moves, the present moves. It, it, it progresses, and so anything contingent to him will experience what we call time, uh, but perhaps at, at different levels, and we even experience that with relativity, things like that. Some people can be moving faster, and time slows down for them, etc. cetera. So uh, it, that fits with the idea that um, prior to creation, if he wasn't acting or doing something, then there was no progression, but as he did, act, then and then the present progressed and and we, whatever was contingent to him at the time, experienced that progression.
0: So to con- to explain that better, um, or, no, that's not right. <laughs> to explain that, to make sure I understand what you're saying. Yeah. You're saying something like, okay, look, God is on this concept. Um, even if we don't, we may or may not mean this in all the robust theological ways that have to do with other aspects of his nature but with respect to time we might say god is changeless as the top of the pendulum the part that it's hanging from like time isn't cha- isn't moving like for him in the same sense that it's moving for us on your framework um, and then you've got the pendulum coming down and if you look at a clock uh you know the pendulum swinging the the part at the be- at the bottom where where the what do you call that? The hammer or whatever that is, that, that thing, the, the big, the big round thing that swings that is experiencing the most, the widest range of movement. And, but if you go up with every, you know, millimeter that you go up that, that uh, stem of the pendulum, it's experiencing a less of a range of movement. And so that would then map to not just Christian theological truths, but also, um would have something to do with the idea of like we see like if like if an astronaut goes into space who has a twin and they're the same age obviously because they're twins he goes into space comes back however small there is a difference in how they have experienced time right the aging process it would somehow explain those frames of time is that have i captured that properly
1: right right and I, i think we both agree it, we on the a theory of time, so there's not some kind of of meta timeline out there that God is is moving through. He just is And in what he does and as he progresses, that is what we experience as time. This is is not the future isn't out there existing. The past isn't back behind us somewhere existing. The present exists.
0: Okay, so now that yeah, so so that so there we agree. So on the a theory of time, we would but would you say this? Would you say? The past did exist. It no longer exists. The future will exist. It doesn't yet exist. What exists is right now.
1: Yes, what exists is right now. The future is potential. The past is historical data.
0: Essentially. Yeah. Um Okay. Uh, so I've asked Jonathan to come in here. We'll see if he does. Um, yeah. So he this, snore at us. <laughs> yeah. This was this was this was great because Luke Pixler is. People are talking in the chat primarily about. The cosmic skeptic william lane craig discussion um and one of the things that happens is and you, you're, you're familiar enough with it matt, matt you you probably know the argument as well as i do but like sometimes people will challenge the idea that every so everything that begins to exist must have a cause and mm-hmm. one of the ways that craig defends that is that 100 of our experience uh, backs up that claim and we have zero counterexamples. like we don't have any examples of something coming into existence without a cause. And so um, what uh, what some skeptics and Alex brought out was, okay, but look, um, th- this is what we have is different rearrangements of physical matter, but we don't have something really coming into being from from something else. So like within the universe. So like whenever you take and his example was take a piece of wood, you start carving away at that piece of wood to make a chair. at some point the wood, is more or less chair-like, but that is saying something about us. It's a subjective statement that we make that, okay, now it's a chair. A chair has come into being, but really what you just have is a different rearrangement of pre-existing material, so that if you took that on a grand cosmic scale, all that we have are different arrangements of elementary particles and nothing comes in. So there is no example of something coming into being at all to then make the inductive claim that, Everything we see comes into existence be, by a cause, and um, and so they talked to, They talked about that for a while, and what it came down to was, um, Craig said, "Well, that that is what's called muriological nihilism. It is a position. I remember first hearing about it about ten years ago, and it kind of tripped me up for a minute um, because there is something about it that kind of kind of seems right, you know. Um, but uh, until you realize what it means, what it means is." Nothing has ever come into being in the history of the universe. You haven't come into being. And what Craig often says that he didn't say there that I wish he had is if so, what your situation, so what you've got here is either you have always existed, which is absurd on its face, or you don't even exist right now. Um, which means I don't have to respond to this because I don't need to give responses to people that don't exist. Um, or you have not come to, yeah. Cause you have not yet come to, ex- you haven't come to exist because nothing comes to exist is, is kind of what it comes out to. Um, so i wh- we'll just finish push- the thought real quick. So yeah. that's where Craig says, I'm glad you're willing to admit that this is your position because what you're actually doing is, is illustrating for people how the, uh, the price tag of, um, the naturalistic worldview. It comes with a heavy, heavy price tag. Because that's what it's costing you is to say things like that. And so people have made a lot out of that comment that atheism comes with a huge price tag. What What are your thoughts? You're about to say something.
1: Well, I, uh, there were a couple of things that it reminded me of. Uh, but So in an attempt to steal. Uh, who's the good looking guy sneaking up behind you?
0: Oh, yeah. And hold on. I'm going to switch between mic options. Thing, testing. All right. Can you hear me? Yeah. Hopefully everyone else can you hear me. Jonathan Pritchett has entered the house. This is a Trinity Radio primetime discussion premiere episode only with them. So uh, so you've got we've got Matt Chisholm here and uh, twelve people in the chat, so or 12 people watching.
2: Well I was uh, on another uh, podcast I was on the Urban Christian Institute with MJ Jackson, and then I had a phone call. And then, oh, you're uh, not.
0: Hold on, I gotta plug you in.
2: Oh. Keep talking; they can hear you through this. Oh well. Yep, we're, yeah, i here. I had a, you know, busy day. I didn't know that you were doing this, and then I got a text, um, to come over here, and then i looked and saw that you were live with Matt Chisholm.
0: You you do not sound at all excited about it.
2: <laughs> I've been talking for the past two hours, it seems. <laughs> so, um. But, no, it's just Matt. If Billy was here, I'd be excited. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that, that's, oh, that's
0: cold. Matt, I didn't mean to interrupt you or for Jonathan to interrupt you. Carry no, on.
1: cool. Well, I, I just, uh, so I can't help it when I'm when we're talking about stuff like this. Uh, I, I try to hear my detractor's voices in my head. That's uh, not a schizophrenic thing. And uh, I'm hearing Lawrence Krauss, right? He's cringing at, at the moment if he's listening to this going, well, well, yeah, that's right. Nothing ever came into being out of nothing. Even, even back when he was redefining nothing at the beginning of the universe, uh, and, and it's the quantum field, and there's these quantum fluctuations and, and virtual particles are coming in and out of being. Uh, that that takes me right back to the discussion we had before this, which is Inspiring Philosophy, Michael Jones. That's his full name, right? Um, he's got a, an episode on the emerging universe. Actually, he's got a few of them. But anyway, even if you have these quantum fields, what the only thing we've, we've learned that can manipulate these essentially is a is a consciousness. And so it, it, okay fine prior to the big bang there are there are these quantum fields what is the objective observer that is going to observe the universe in the way that we are experiencing it now well, it has to be something that go back to the uh, the uh, ont- cosmological argument it has to be something that is uh, outside of what we experience right now when then you have a mind and everything else
0: yeah jonathan say something so we make sure we've got your your mic even down
2: I have no idea what y'all are talking about. Okay. We're good. All right. Uh, Yeah.
0: Mike Winger, Mike Winger's still around. Okay. So Drew Beatty says, uh, even outside of the cosmological argument, the intellectual price tag of atheism is way too high. Free will, moral responsibility, objective morality, knowledge, rationality, science being reliable and any lives mattering are all illusions. If atheism is true, you know, this is something that, that like atheists will kick back on, but I mean, like, look like there's a discussion that I did a response video to of, um, uh, cosmic skeptic and rationality rules, having a discussion in their back in cosmic skeptics backyard, I think. And they agree that, yeah, if free, if there is no free, they agree that there is no free will. It's just determinism. And, uh, and they actually think we really need to teach kids this. Like, it's really important that people, we get this in the schools and people begin to realize this because it's going to affect things because we need to understand that if determinism is true and somebody kills his whole family and then kills himself, He's not culpable for that, not really. Like we're going to hold him responsible, we're going to put him in jail, we're going to do all those kind of things. But he's not really culpable in, in any because he had to; he was determined to do it. And so we need a better legal structure that takes that into account and really treats people differently and perhaps appropriately, so that when they rape little children or whatever they do, horrible thing, we recognize it's not really their fault. And um, and yeah, to be an atheist is ultimately committing yourself to these things whether that seems obvious on the surface or not just like when we talk about with with uh, particular christian theological issues like calvinism whether whether you what whether you think whether you think i'm a jerk for pointing this out or not if you hold to divine determinism there are things that come along with that implications not everyone realizes it right away but that ultimately it doesn't just have to do with god you know, electing some and passing over others. It has to do with a full blown determinism of everything that happens in your life. And that is, uh, these things have big, these things have price tags. Our view has a price tag. The question is, um, does the price tag that atheism carries with it, does that seem to map to reality anyway, that there's really not this free will morality, all these kind of things. It's interesting stuff. Good, yeah, that's good that's the
2: uh, the thing that uh, Alex Rosenberg would would he would say. Well, you have to pay that price because all of those things, plus the fact that you have no first person uh, experience, that's also an illusion, and you don't actually exist and everything else. Uh, but they would say well, that's the price you have to pay because that's the way reality is. Uh, one of the greatest takedowns of that was William Lane Craig in their debate, though, where he took every premise and refuted, it just showed how self referentially incoherent it all was so you know it, it, it's it is a steep price tag i think people want to pay it because they don't they they don't want to have to um face the the truth of christianity though that's yeah it's really more an emotional thing than well
0: you know it's it's tough like people know that i've said this before that the way I make sense of Romans 1 on this is I do think that unbelievers are suppressing the truth and unrighteousness, but I, I don't think that means that a particular atheist is being disingenuous when he, when he or she says, I don't believe, because my I think that we are good at lying to ourselves, and, um, you, and and especially in a culture where part of the DNA of our culture is this empiricism and scientism and all these kind of things. I think a person is suppressing the truth, but they can get to a state where they don't realize that's what they're doing and so i don't think any given atheist is being disingenuous but um that's the only caveat yeah, the
2: self-deceit is so deep that it's 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 lost on them that that's what's
1: yeah romans one i mean that, that that's the conclusion that he draws at the end of romans one is it god's made himself known to everybody and if they suppress the truth and they continue in that then god's going to turn them over to that state of mind so yeah, no, I think people I mean, getting into types of apologetics, the presuppositionalists who go, there are no atheists. No, I think I think there, there are. are. I think it, they they didn't have an excuse at one point, but they have slowly suppressed that. And then you look at the parable of the sower in Matthew 13, that the word is taken from them. So they, they no longer believe, but it was there at one point.
0: Yep, I think you're right. Daniel James Hole, speaking of, I think he's our resident Calvinist here. He says, Braxton, currently learning Biblical Hebrew. Any advice or any advice for when I learn Biblical Greek?
2: The same advice is to do it every day. Practice, practice, practice every day. And if you can... Um, Pritchett and I have gone through the Mounts book on yeah, Greek it, yeah, like Yeah,
0: if you just... Two, three, four times? Yeah, you just got to...
2: <laughs> if you Use it or lose it, man. Just stay on top of it every day. Dedicate time to it every day. Yeah. Um, Listen to things in Hebrew or Greek if you're taking Greek. Um, uh, do your flashcards, memorize your paradigms, label things around the house. Uh, <laughs> just 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 immerse uh, the immersion thing. Uh, and we need to we need to start again. Yeah, it's Greek. it's you just got to stay on top of it. That's that's the that's the only advice I can give you. It's I mean it's just at the end of the day it's just information learning foreign. You know, other languages, biblical languages, foreign languages, whatever. Uh, it, it's not insurmountable for anybody. It's it's not hard. It's just you, you've got to stay on top of it. Zom says, Braxton, I'm still
0: curious about your view on time. Ton- this
2: would be good to get Matt's impression, too.
0: Now that Dr. Pritchett is not here to heckle you. Well, and then- too late. <laughs> he, he told me to come <laughs> yeah. in. And then he later he though. says, uh-oh, he's here. You know? So uh, Don't worry.
2: I'll clean up everything they get wrong. Well, actually, if you... No, be- you're free. Yeah, just go ahead. I think your view, my view is the same, though, actually. If you if you become a
0: patron, <laughs> you get uh, access to a little debate that, just like my debate with you, Matt, on time, just kind of happened. This kind of mm. happened in the midst of us talking about something completely unrelated. Mm. And um, and so uh, so I, th- I think there is a difference. I think there's a relevant difference. Well, th-
2: there's a there's a there's a, that difference is how do you interpret math or Acts chapter two. But I don't think that we differ too much on much else to do with tongues as far as the modern. <clears throat> no, no, no. So on, in terms of
0: so there's two questions here. The one question is, whatever it is, is it still operative? And um, I think since I'm not a cessationist, I'm a I'm a cautious um, continuationist. I, th- I think that it is likely I don't I don't see any good reason to believe that whatever was going on in the early church um, with in, in the New Testament time with this has ended or, or can't happen or doesn't happen. But um, but the diff. But so that's one question. The other question would be, what is it? And the options there that I think are, are, that I'm aware of are, is it an actual human language, an ability to speak an actual human language, perhaps for the purposes of evangelism, that you just don't know that language, but you're given the ability to speak it? Or is it that and or, like it could be both that and this, um, a heavenly language like that Ecstatic utterance. Yeah, an ecstatic utterance that isn't a human known language, an earthly language. And, uh, and and I have to admit, there there is stuff on both sides of that that i got to deal oh, with.
2: And the other view is, is it just a static utterance?
0: So, to delineate.
2: There's three views. It's either a known human language and a static yeah. utterance, or both of those things are true. Say that again. It's either a... It's either an ecstatic utterance, a known human language, or three. Uh, d- sometimes it's a human language that's known, and sometimes it's just an ecstatic utterance. Yeah, right. That's what yeah. I said. Yeah,
0: I said so. Sometimes it's like you're you're equating ecstatic well, utterance. Well, you with said it's some. Well, well
2: there are people who think it's exclusively ecstatic utterance. Yeah. So yeah. I'm
0: saying it's one or the other or both. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Three so so okay so so that on the one hand you've got, um, in Acts chapter two where they were, they were Don't give away
2: for free what people should have to pay for. Well, we're not going to
0: debate it. I'm just (laughs) laying out what's out there. So you have this situation where the apostles, newly dubbed, were then speaking in a variety of languages. Well, this is the trick, right? Because it says that they were speaking in other languages in like verse 4, if I'm not mistaken. And then later it says that they were heard in these other languages. And uh, so, so that, so there, to me,
2: it, it's it we know we, own dialects, we know
0: this so. is a group of people from various different provinces and regions all together. There might have been a need to speak in other languages for the proclamation of the gospel. Um, th- there is a minor case can be made against that that Greek was somewhat of a universal language in the region at the time, much like English is very well-known in Western countries today and, and stuff. So, so that's, that's, so, but that's kind of, that strikes me as making sense of um, the, Luke
2: has a question.
0: Well, we'll get there. That, that strikes me as making sense of it as a human language. That's just not known by the speaker, but then you do have Paul seeming to act like it's beneficial to you personally. And, um and, and, and it causing confusion it's it's a it's a tough issue but I, st- I still come down on the side of it's human languages that the person doesn't know because i actually think we have do have though anecdotal as they are cases of that in the modern world matt what say you
1: um, I, I tend to agree um I think that the the places where people try to argue from the Bible that it is uh, an angelic language. I think Paul's being hyperbolic there. He's listing off a bunch of things that that are radical. He doesn't have all knowledge. He can't have all wisdom. Right. And so he says, whether I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, he's not necessarily saying that that's a possibility, although I assume angels can speak. but. Uh, so I, I don't think it's that I don't think you're praying in some hidden secret or un, unknowns to us uh, Angelic language and I also don't think it, it is First uh, people appeal to Romans 8 and the groanings of the Holy Spirit. And so when you are praying in this Prayer language or speaking in these uh, utterances that don't make any sense Well, it's just it's just a prayer language that God understands That's, that that passage is saying that the Holy Spirit is groaning on your behalf It's not saying you do it um, So I, I think I, I don't have a problem Believing that God can impart this gift or maybe just miraculously give it. I don't know if it qualifies as a gift, if it's not kind of at your command. Uh, I don't know. I don't have a problem with him doing that when he needs to do it. I don't know that. I'll put it this way. Yeah, Yeah, I've never experienced it.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I'm glad God has your permission. (laughs) And uh, and if you want to hear... With a little bit more meat to it, why he just what he just said was wrong, become a patron and listen to me argue with Braxton about it. And you'll hear with a little bit more meat to it why he's right.
0: So, we so we have two against two here me and Matt against you and Zom because Zom says I'm on your side, Dr. Pritchett. Well, that's the great thing, you know, between the two of us on Trinity Radio, you'll find someone to agree with. Yeah, if you're a Christian on some
2: things, you can be right or you can agree with Braxton. Oh man, Luke
0: had a question. Luke, I was just thinking, uh, Luke, Luke, this question.
2: Yeah, how can a Calvinist have assurance of salvation? How would you know if you're elect? Well, uh, I would assume a Calvinist would uh, could possibly answer that you 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 have assurance of salvation the way anyone else does, practically speaking. If you if you, if you're uh, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation, and you're seeing evidence of the Spirit in your life. Uh, you have as much assurance as anybody, regardless of what your soteriology is. However, Calvin himself invented the problem for Calvinists with this evanescent grace concept um, that g- God could cause you to somehow think all of that's true about yourself, but you're just mistaken. And then you're, you know, when you uh, apostatize, so to speak um you know walk away from christianity you know uh you're doubly ready for damnation than you were prior somehow uh so um given
0: well you got to do something about people that really 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 seem to be believers yeah and then fall away,
2: right? You should believe what the Bible says. There's where Matt and I agree, and you don't. You got to believe what the Bible says. That when the Bible says you can walk away from the faith and shipwreck it and fall from grace, that you really can. Uh, but no, Calvin created this problem because his view uh, you you shouldn't you should you would always have to wonder: Is God allowing me, or actively deceiving me into thinking I believe this stuff? And how would I ever? Yeah, you don't know until you stop believing, and then you're like, "Oh, that's how that works. And in
0: this way, not literally, but but you can't
2: believe. Oh, that's how pragmatically. Yeah. But you becomes, can't believe that that's how that worked in Calvin, because then you'd have to believe that God actually existed if you walked away from the, Christianity's true, and Calvinism is true, and then then you're stuck in a uh, loop. How do you get out of that? So it, Cal, Calvinism makes it at least Calvin, and I love Calvin. Everyone knows that I'm a big read Calvin, read the Institute. Some of his commentaries are quite helpful. Everyone knows um, I like Calvin. I, I don't, don't think everyone knows that. I'm glad. No, you said I've it. said it several hundred times on our show and
0: Facebook. You said several Institute. hundred times. <laughs> yes, that I always... you like John Calvin. Uh,
2: I like reading Calvin, but listen, read Calvin, but he made a complete disaster but, of but this, it, uh, and it's a complete mess. And Calvinists should have no assurance whatsoever because you may be being deceived.
0: But here's an interesting thing: is not in not in a real, like literal, actual ontological way, but at least pragmatically, from your perspective, it kind of feels like a workspace salvation because even though it technically isn't, if I don't end up, per, you know persevering to the end, well, I guess not works-based, it'd still be belief-based, but it, it ends up, pr- here's what it is, it ends up, practically speaking, no different than what the person who believes you can apostatize believes, because if I don't end up making it to the end without turning away, then I never was really saved to begin with, and I've had evanescent grace, right? Whereas the, apost- the apostatizer, the uh, person who believes in apostasy, is saying, no, um, you, d- you. It's not that you had effervescent grace. You just, you just had it, and then you left it. Yeah. Is basically the difference. So this is exactly the reason why I say on this issue, practically speaking, for evangelism. Here's the important thing: if a per- and here's what I've said several hundred times: if a person seems really on fire for God, evangelistic, reaching people for Jesus. I mean, everything gives you the impression, and then they walk away and they become an atheist. The person who believes you can apostatize is going to say, we got to go reach them for Christ because now they're lost again. But we need to go reach them for Christ. Whereas the person who believes in eternal security or perseverance of the saints is going to say, we need to go reach them for Christ because they never were saved to begin with. But practically speaking, both categories are saying we need to go reach them for Christ.
2: Right? Yeah, but when you, on the assurance question, I still think that 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 concept creates a mess that every Calvinist should. I try agree, cowering in a corner because you don't know, and then when you if you did did apostatize, you're stuck thinking, well, I guess. That might explain it, but if that explains it, then why am I not still a Christian? Because I believe in this Christian idea, <laughs> you know, that God but allowed me. To...
0: I agree with you that it's just but... weird. Real quick, Matt, I I agree with you, Pritchett, that here's... because
2: it, no, because if my if people Dang who it. hold apostasy, apostasy, the conditional security, if I rejected the faith tomorrow and, and just went out and became an atheist, uh-huh. then objective morality would not be true, and so that I continue to make you think I was so I could keep my job, but. Uh, let's say I stopped <laughs> believing. I would be like, well, at least if Christianity was true, um, which it's not because I don't believe in it anymore or whatever, it's like at least um, those people could say, the Matt Chisholms of the world could say, well, he I, he really was a Christian and now he's not. Whereas the other person would say was God either actively or passively deceived him uh, and now Pritchett's going to go to hell because he doesn't believe it anymore. So I I don't know. It still comes out better for the conditional security folks uh, on this one. Now, this doesn't really do anything for the typical Baptisty eternal security, latent Flowers, Braxton Hunter view, because you guys don't think that they had Evanescence Grace, because that's not— Yeah, I think you might— That's different than just saying they were never— it, because it's one thing to say, well, they never really were Christians to begin with, you know. They never really had a faith to shipwreck right from to begin with. They were never really connected to the Bible, regardless of what the Bible says. You can have this view that Leighton and Braxton have, uh, which is and not. that's still. <laughs> you like the way <laughs> I phrase that? It's still different uh, than the evanescent grace because with, with with their view, it's like, wow, well, they, they weren't ever Christians in the first place, so it makes sense that they're not Christian now. But the Calvinist has to say that this person was either actively or passively deceived. Um, but? And because determinism true, it's ultimately, you know, God decreed for that person to be so self-deceived that he actually believed he was uh, uh, a believer in Christ. Jonathan, wasn't.
0: Jonathan. Let me talk. How
2: do you really feel about this? You were talking the whole time before <laughs> I got here. So I'm I'm making up for all the time that you First were talking First of
0: all, Matt me. needs to talk, but I want to say what you may have said this, but I stopped listening because I was messing with our name card. But but I will give you this. This is an important thing. The person who believes in apostasy, not by sin, but by willfully defecting from the faith. That person, I think, can have more assurance than the Calvinist who believes in Calvin's evanescent grace that that's a possibility because you don't ever know, but that God might determine you to, to, to walk away, uh, determine you to defect. Whereas on, uh, the apostasy view, just so long as I don't defect, then I don't, I don't, what do I have to not be sure about? Right. Right. Matt, over to you. Well, one of the ironic
1: things is that a Calvinist, who would probably I think if they're honest would have to admit that what Jonathan said is true and what we believe is true Uh, if God is using a Calvinist for so many years as a Christian and then uh, removes grace from them so that they do apostatize while they're a Calvinist while they're a Christian pretending to be a Christian I guess uh, they would have to admit that their apostasy would be for his greatest glory and they would have to approve of it which is a very weird thing like it's very
0: Very uh,
1: logically inconsistent So,
0: yeah, no, and and of course, yeah, I agree with jumping on the uh, you can walk away thing. Now, Colin Nolan says something that raises an interesting discussion that needs to be had. This is one of the pastoral reasons Arminius questioned Calvinism is the assurance issue and antinomian logical outgrowths of the system. Now, this is this second issue is also important to discuss because whatever you want to say, are we going to be fair here, guys? We all agree to be fair here. No. I threw you guys bones. It's time for y'all to throw bones. Here's the thing. For a Southern Baptist, we're not talking about Calvin Calvinists here, although I think this goes for Calvinists. The antinomian question, uh, which says, this, this whole idea is the idea that you can sin all you want and you're okay because grace will abound, right? And Paul says to that, um, God forbid, right? The, 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 the antinomian, I can do whatever I want. Here's the thing. that Why am I f- fuzzy now? I'm like fuzzy.
2: Are we fuzzy?
0: I don't know. Anyway, um, the thing is, if you believe that sinning isn't going to cause you to lose your salvation, but willfully defecting causes you to no longer be saved, then you got the same that same allegation, which I think is a bogus allegation, can be made against the person who believes in apostasy, just like it can the person who believes in eternal security. Mm, no. Yeah. It, it, why not? Because
1: if, well, it, it, I mean, if you understand sin as the New Testament does, then it is deceptive and it is constantly misleading you and, and guiding you. And that, that's why Paul says don't practice those things, because it does lead you away from the faith. It will eventually harden you. It, constant. Um, I, that's the whole idea behind uh uh, who is the the second nature in uh, Ephesians Sure, but you're
0: saying, but what you're saying, so what you're saying, if I understand you, is you're saying, the sin, you, you would, and you and Pritchett may be on different tracks here. I don't know. I don't think you are. But you would be saying, the sin doesn't cause you, you don't lose your salvation on account of the sin. You lose your salvation, for lack of better terminology, because you abandon your faith willfully or because you stop believing, Right
1: right a pattern of of practicing sin will lead you to harden yourself against what god wants and eventually you will stop caring so let me give you
0: let me give you an analogy that i've that i gave Pritchard that he likes and um see if you like it so let's say we're on a highway and we'll call this the king's highway (laughs) and we're going down the king's highway and there are rules to this highway there there is a way you're supposed to behave as there is on any highway. And so we're trucking along and everyone on this highway, I'll spoil the the thing. I won't bury the lead. These are the saved people on the King's highway driving according to the rules as best they can. Everyone screws up. But when you screw up, you tell the policeman you you repent, you keep going, You, you know, this is how it's happening. But you see across the field over there, like a derby where you can just go in the, dunes and drive any old which way and nobody cares. People are running into people and dying and all that. And ultimately everyone there is going to be destroyed one day in a huge explosion. But the fact is they're over there and nobody's making them feel ashamed. Nobody's judging them. Nobody is telling them what the rules are. And the, to illustrate what I think you're saying would be like saying, and, and I'm not, and I think this is fair is to say, okay, if you're on the King's highway and you start driving in the emergency lane all the time or swerving around in traffic, nobody's going to throw you off the King's highway because of your sins of driving that way in traffic. But you're going to ultimately get to the point with the hardening of the heart. Like you're saying, you're going to ultimately get to the point where people think people are treating me with shame and contempt for this. I'm not comfortable at all. I really want to keep doing this swerving and stuff that I'm doing. So, I'm going to go over there to this this mud hole and do what I want to do. Um, so it wasn't actually the infractions that you committed on the King's Highway that got you thrown off. It was the continued shame of the Culture, honor, shame culture. They're the all honking just—they're all honking. People are telling me, "I don't
2: like We're this." they am trying to oh. save your metaphor for you, since you went from King's Highway to a mud hole where no one drives. No, the
0: mud hole is over there. That's the mud hole. Is the derby? Yeah, over there. Okay. So yeah, I So, I you did, get, so, so are you? Is that so what you think, So, because of Matt? the
2: swerving sin, you decide to take the exit ramp and just go over to the derby instead.
0: Right. Is that yeah. where you are, Matt?
2: Yeah, more or less, and I think
1: another analogy for the listeners would be, um, and I think we can all relate to this, is uh, food. That if you're trying to lose weight, and you're trying to stay healthy, et cetera, and and you get in the habit, okay, well, I'm just gonna have a midnight snack tonight, but I'll be alright, i to be, back. and and then like the next night you're like, man, that that sandwich I ate yesterday was good, I'm gonna have it again, and then all of a sudden like you know, where you were, you were keeping your calories in line every day. You're just overeating because yeah, yeah, forget it. Uh, I like it.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. But the problem there, I appreciate that. But the problem there is that food is actually the thing making you fat.
1: Yes, but you could resist. But at some point, not everybody, obviously, but I think they're having experienced it. Right. At some point I I decide I'm just not going to pay attention to the whole calories thing. I don't care about my health. I'm just going to, I'm just going to eat. I'll be fine. You know, like,
0: so um, there we would liken maybe your your salvation to a diet. You're on a diet. Well, that's the relationship or the status. I'm dieting. And you can still be said to be dieting if you if you commit the, the if you if you commit the sin of eating the you have a cheat day. Chocolate. Yeah. yeah, you have a cheat day or whatever. But if you if you start doing that too much, at some point uh it's it's not, not a diet anymore. It's not you a got diet, a new diet. And you did that to yourself. <laughs> I, but see, I still don't like that because the problem there is still sounds like we could say about that because because the, the line that we're but trying you can
2: to eat your way out of heaven like you can see. Right, you know right. About, yeah. The line we're mm-hmm. trying to delineate. But you can, that's the thing, because because of what Matt said earlier, that sin is what we're, it's not that the sin. It's not that Jesus doesn't forgive those sins, but those sins lead you to the place of unbelief, just like the food leads you to the place to being obese. So it's right. it it. it, it We used to, and I understand where Brax is confused here because we did say, "Well, it's not that you can't sin your way out of heaven. Actually, you can. You can sin your way to lost salvation because, uh, or forfeited salvation because that sin puts you on a path to where yes, but um, but the reason I'm looking because otherwise, if it wasn't, if sin wasn't involved, you wouldn't, you would, if if your sanctification was as it should be, you wouldn't have unbelief. But the
0: reason I'm trying to, to I'm trying to help you guys out. Cause you need help here.
2: No. You, you need an analogy <laughs>
0: that crisply delineates, not just in your head. Yeah. I know that makes sense, but to the listener, the difference between I sinned 14 and a half times and now I'm lost to the difference between that. And no, no, no. It's not your sinning that makes you lost. That gives you that status that is something that that makes it more likely that you will apostatize but you need something that crisply does that because otherwise you've still got everyone in the world saying about you guys oh y'all think you can lose your salvation
2: uh i well i don't like the phrase lose your salvation that's what i'm saying you can throw that phrase at me and i'm like well if that's the you kind know of what I'm trying to communicate. Dumb evangelical don't be phrase that you have to use because don't, you're not a thinker. Don't uh, be. That's ob- fine. I believe that you can lose your salvation because I I do believe that that. Look, see, he said it better than any. No,
0: because what you want sin leads to apostasy. Sin apostasy. Yep. Sin doesn't cause apostasy. That's it. That's what we want to say. Thank you, Colin. There. Y'all say that now. You'll do Sin better if you say that. Sin does
2: cause apostasy <laughs> though. Sin is the... No it doesn't. It 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 doesn't it doesn't. It, well, in a sense it does.
0: Y'all go figure yourselves out and no, you come back and tell No. Because us. look,
2: here's what you want us to say. You, you no one can apostatize until they stand up in on a soapbox and say, "I don't believe anymore." No, that's not I no. don't believe that at all. No. I believe that someone can continually make propositional claims that they, they believe in Jesus as their Savior, but if they live as if that's not true, I think that they have apostatized. Because <laughs> it doesn't because matter what you think. What we want what's true. <laughs> yeah, and that is what's true, because most people think that faith and believe is this idea that I affirm a proposition, and that's not. No, no, no. You know I don't think that. I mean, Come thank God for Matthew Bates, but now everyone wants to, I mean, Matthew Bates wasn't the first person to come up with the allegiance. That's that's been what it was for. And he didn't go far enough
1: in some of that. I read the book too.
2: <laughs> right, he didn't actually. That's yeah. gonna make that's gonna make the Southern Baptists nervous because they don't like the fact that that little Timmy who got saved at the altar call lives like the devil and still says, "Yeah, I believe in that Jesus stuff." Yeah, that mm-hmm. dude's not a Christian. Okay, Jesus is, he didn't care what what you prayed. So.
0: Yeah, no, no. okay, the people in the pews believe all kinds of things. Right. But no Southern Baptist scholar who understands these matters is saying something like, just because you said some words in a series. No, that's
2: not what I'm saying. I'm saying what they want to believe about little Timmy. Well, he did give his life to Christ once, and that means he's still saved because he still says he believes and loves Jesus, even though he's got no evidence whatsoever of it he did once well this is where i don't believe that you have to say i renounce my christian faith in order to have renounced your no christian that's faith. okay but here's the thing well
0: you know what needs to be said about little timmy i'm going to be the unifier i am going to bring everyone here together you know what needs to be said about little timmy who's out carousing and and getting into running around with wild women and drinking and smoking and all these now, i'm of, also not you know, saying yeah. that's
2: why he's an apostle no 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 but you Either.
0: know what needs to be said about him whatever he is that's causing you to judge that he's lost Here's what needs to happen. Somebody needs to go talk to Timmy about getting right with the Lord. That's what needs to happen. Call it whatever you want, right?
2: Yeah. Well, so
1: th- this raises a point that, that we made. We had an episode about it, and it's it's the issue that even though people are really dogmatic about being once one saved, saved, ignoring the Calvinist side of this, uh, you should never teach it directly to someone as if, they are for sure saved because you can't ever know their state in the same way you should always whether they're backsliding or they've apostatized you should uh encourage someone to repent draw them back into the the, the relationship with christ you can't tell a christian yeah you're for sure locked in and saved and no matter what you do so you can't really teach the thing you have to teach exactly what the bible does which is persevere until you die run the race to the end right because and-
2: because just as much as Paul was interested in believers having assurance, Paul was interested in believers in the church being scared okay, and testing now, themselves yeah. and examining themselves and having mm-hmm. fear of the Lord and fleeing from sin. You know, you can highlight the proofs you want for your thing, but you got to balance them out with the other things. Paul was Paul did not care that every person had assurance all the time. You know that it's good to have. We you should have assurance, but you should also be mindful and continually examine yourself and test yourself.
0: I um, want to say that Drew Beatty has a important place in the history of Trinity Radio. As he turned up to the Matt Dillahunty debate along with me, Matt Chisholm, and basically told Matt that he... Was being disingenuous. Yes, by he had himself the it. best statement
2: in the world. It <laughs> rattled the right feathers, and then you had to go play softball instead of just good cop. Yeah.
0: I didn't know who Drew Beatty was, but
2: I'm glad I think God intended well, you it to work Drew out the way it did. Stuck a knife in his gut and you instead of twisting it like you should have, you were like, Let me wipe Bobby. this off. Let me take this out of you wipe and give you the <laughs> little band-aid to make you feel better.
0: Okay, but here's the point I wanted to get back to. I
2: stand with Drew, even though he agrees with Braxton on this stuff.
0: <laughs> on the perseverance of the... Wait, where are we? Oh, on the eternal security and the antinomianism. For those that are new to these terminology, again, that's the thing where, oh, because I'm saved and can't lose my salvation, now I get to sin all I want. I, look, first of all, now we're not talking about the biblical fact of the matter here. We're talking about this criticism and whether or not it sticks on its own. And here's the thing. That is... Um, that logically doesn't follow that because that doesn't seem... It seems like it's giving away for a person with eternal who believes in eternal security. Like it makes it sound bad. Like you start teaching that stuff, people are going to start sinning because they can't lose their salvation. That's like an appeal to fear which is a form of an appeal to emotion. The question demonstrated do what?
1: What if it's been demonstrated? Same with Calvinists. You can challenge them with this as well. I've known Calvinists who said, well, yeah, I was into this bad stuff, but you know, I just assumed God wanted me to be, if I was, because it was
0: determined. (laughs) This is great because we're going to do a Socratic thing right here. So let me ask you, all right, on your view, Mm. what if someone says, I can, I can go sleep with my girlfriend or I can cheat on my wife because afterwards I'm going to ask God to forgive me and he will
1: That technically is true but by participating in that kind of sin and doing it willfully you're heading it, it, it is deceptive it will draw you away you will harden yourself if you continue to do this don't do it
0: I think what so, uh, that's one thing to say another thing I think you could say is if you're thinking that way I'm not sure how Christian you are <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, you're trying to get out of it. I mean, honestly, isn't that like the same thing you just said? If the person with eternal security thinks I can go on sinning that grace may abound, even though he knows Paul addresses that very thing and he knows God doesn't want it, right? That doesn't sound like a Christian to me.
2: Right. Um, I agree with yeah. that.
0: So, And then, secondly, yeah, there are examples of people that there was actually a cult of people that on everything else agreed with like all of, you know, classical Christianity on all this stuff, but they, they were teaching antinomianism, do whatever you want. You know, so of course there are examples, but here's the question. You guys have both been in Southern Baptist churches for much of your life. And I Mm want to know how many people do you know who really thought that way? Most of the people in Southern Baptist life I knew thought one of two ways. They either thought, um, I'm not sure that we Baptists have got this right and I might lose my salvation. Or they thought, yeah, but that's not, that's not legit. What if, if I do that, if I start operating that way, maybe that will demonstrate I was never saved. Right? So you still get the same pragmatic payoff. I think on that, well, let say, have you guys really known a lot of people who are like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to Cause Paul can, you just take no, it.
2: I don't. I don't know any. I don't know anyone in the Southern Baptist Church that I can recall that expressed that as a view. But Run I know plenty in the Southern it. Baptist Church who live that as if it was their view. Well, I know plenty <laughs> of people in in the Assembly of Gods or anywhere else
0: that live like the devil and claim to be Christians. That's just a separate question.
2: Not at the AOG don't.
0: Yeah, I've I known
1: I know a know handful of people, tops. You know less than five one of them is in prison right now
0: so like
1: <laughs> extreme example
0: uh, you probably get saved there
1: <laughs> I, I hope so uh, you know but I, I, I don't know I, I, what you said goes back to how it's taught in the Bible which is run the race persevere to the end um, should we should we even fight over and people do fight over whether or not one saved always saved is true or should we just teach people exactly what the Bible is which is um, a little bit of fear mixed with encouragement and and uh, uh, good sound teaching. Persevere in faith. Abide
2: in Him. Yes, Amen. Guess what, and John McAllister. John
0: McAllister is on. I'm on team John McAllister. Every right, gospel right. presentation should be under the assumption that no one hearing the message is saved. You know, if you're doing any he means if you're doing an evangelistic thing, just hmm. assume that they're lost and preach that way because. I, and that's what I've done throughout yes, my ministry. Yes, yeah, and guess good. what? A lot of people that... How does Dr. Elliott say it? In every congregation, there are people who are... I don't know how... He's got some clever way of saying that. But yeah, there's a lot of people in the church who may even believe that they're in relationship with God that aren't. And that's an important feature, I think, to to get out there um put put colin nolan's up there okay yeah it's sunday school kids that think they are safe and do whatever they want in high school and college it's baby carnal christians it's less prevalent with mature believers
1: i definitely i agree it's less prevalent with mature believers absolutely i think at at a certain point of sanctification you know the difference uh but i disagree that it's children only, I do think that that's something that's a problem, but uh, I've known adults, I've known grandparents who thought that way because they went, when they were a kid, they went down, they got baptized, they did the whole deal. And so they're Christian, but you would never know it based on their fruit based on how they live their life. So I, I don't think it's just kids. That's where it starts.
0: All right. Well, this conversation has so far been mm-hmm. fantastic. Um, We've been at it for an hour and two minutes. We have nine viewers. (laughs) It's awesome. But hey, that's like a small group hanging out, you know. Um, But we didn't advertise this, Pritchett. I just call. You don't even know what happened, but I went to get you because I thought we should do something for the Facebook group. And then I was like, "Well, I'll call Matt." And Matt was free. I was like, "What are we doing to talk about?" We didn't know. So hey, let me ask y'all.
1: What are your plans for Trinity radio moving forward? Same status quo or anything different?
2: We have things that we need to do like um, uh, well Praxis is gonna keep doing what one to two other videos besides our I guess we're regular Friday video now um,
0: oh and this this Friday, everyone, you don't even know this this Friday Tim Stratton's gonna join us.
2: Oh good yeah. Less time for me to talk.
0: <laughs> um, Just kidding. They all know you're kidding. Um, well, you know, but do they? <laughs> so, so here's what my happened. wife would say.
2: No, he's being serious.
0: So here's what's happened with Trinity Radio. So, um, we we used to be like a everything show, like theology, apologetics, church stuff, practical yeah. Christian living, and after the Matt Dillahunty debate, I you know, as as I was saying at the start of this stream. A lot of people started challenging uh, what I've been saying. I started seeing video responses to me. And so I was like, oh, I, I got to respond to this and Pritchett's not available right now, but I got to get it out there and get it up. You know, that's how I thought back then. And so I started doing some stuff without Pritchett. And um, and so, uh, and then that kind of, you know, once you get into, your audience gets used to two or three videos a week and they're really popping. I mean, listen, I'll admit this here. If you find someone, if you find someone who loves to hear himself talk, <laughs> and an audience that wants to hear him talk and will click, uh, you've got an addict in front of you, and that's what happened to me. I became addicted to YouTube, but um, also I, it's like I tell my pastor, my our pastor who's been on the show, you know, he has like fifteen hundred on Sunday morning or sixteen hundred um, across three campuses, and a lot of them. Are there because it's church and this is what we do. I've got two thousand people who will show up to hear me and Pritchett talk three times a week, who are mostly atheists and are doing it of their own free will, whether they know it or not. You know, <laughs> and so, uh, so that so I've become really addicted, and we've just done that a lot. Uh, so it's most, and then I found that um, you know, if you have a niche like this, responding to atheist videos, that it's it's you, a niche grows fast. A niche grows faster on YouTube. And it's in line with our mission, and so I just thought this seems like a, a way to do it. Now, as you grow, you can kind of branch off more, um, and 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 you have viewership for the different things. So we want to continue. We need to. We've been saying this for a long, long time, but we both need to finish. He needs to finish the First Peter series that he started. I need to finish the Genesis
2: series that I started. But also, we're thinking about we're we're thinking about starting a channel called TR Extra. Wasn't that the name we came up Trinity with? Trinity Radio Extra. Yeah, Trinity yeah. Radio Extra. And we were going to move all the non-apologetic stuff to a second channel. Because there's a, YouTube's weird and the weird algorithm things and all of this other stuff. That it's good to, once you find a lane that works for you, stay in that lane. The, the problem is, is we like to drive in multiple lanes. So we thought about just kind of having a sister channel to where we would put our uh because if if you, if we upload a genesis commentary or, or a my, my first peter thing if we put that back on the main channel that's going to mess with uh certain algorithms in youtube right that, that that
0: if we have a so we found like if we do a subject like even when i've done abortion related stuff um since we've built this crowd on the apologetics to atheists that gets a lot less views now we do stuff like that occasionally because we think that God wants us to but, it, but when you have videos that get substantially lower views, it hurts, it hurts things with the algorithm. What
2: he's talking about is when I have a video where I talk about how professors make, you know, pick seminary books, says, answer that that your dad thought would be a good video. And then like 500 people at the most watch it instead of the big numbers. He's like, this is jacking up our thing. And so when I want to do a video like that or we want to do something off topic, we don't want it to mess with uh, the main channel's views, but we also know that a lot of patrons have been with us for a long time that are not strictly... They, they came for the variety show, not just the One Trick Pony. Mostly the people in the, in this right. Facebook group. And so, mm-hmm. but but there's a, another side to that with, with... To reach the most people, you got to keep your videos high. And so we're going to start a second channel where we don't have to care as much about the, the science and computer algorithms and all of that stuff about making sure our stuff stays in front of the people it needs to stay in front of. Whereas if you love us already, you're going to go ahead and watch what we do on the second channel. If it only gets 150 or 200 views, we still gave it to the people who wanted it. We still got to talk about that stuff because we think it's important, but it's not affecting the main mission. So we've got, that coming down the pipe and
0: and fun stuff like jonathan's had this great idea for a long time like debates uh, that that you, that you yeah. wouldn't expect like mm. like uh well what's like should like should christians cuss yeah should christians drink alcohol who's the who, what was the best bible kill yeah what's know? the what's the best kill in the bible Who
2: who is the hottest chick in the bible things uh, like that
0: i do not approve of that one debates that people
2: will actually care about uh, so we've got that, and then there, there's like eight or nine of us that are even starting a, a different channel Uh, where everyone uploads like one video a, a month or something. That, that'll that be fun, too. Luke says, you should do more of these Facebook
0: Lives. I enjoy having the interaction, or maybe an actual small group for patrons on Zoom
2: or something. Just a That's a good idea. We should actually do it just for the patrons so
0: that... Well, and I think who he's mentioning with Zoom is like, say we had, you know, I mean, we've got we've got a number of patrons, but like if out of those patrons only 10 or 11 showed up like this for the zoom call. You have them all on the screen. You could all talk to each other. Um, That's not a bad idea. Good job. We need to
2: do that. We didn't, we we have totally done wrong to our patrons by not doing Magnino.
0: Alex says hottest kill in the Bible sounds fine. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, all right. So that's, that's kind of where we're going with that is, is to do that. Um, I kind of, you know what we're doing right now. We have kind of moved into phase two, and that is, we're now doing live streams. Li- uh, you know, before the coronavirus, we didn't do live streams. This is new. Uh, we did one last summer with um, inspiring philosophy, and it w- it didn't even look good because we didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. Now we're able to do it in a in a proficient way. So uh, that's been a big that's been a big thing, and so. We've had, you know, we've had Michael Icona on here. I'd like to, I'd like to do some debates on here. That'd be interesting. You want to debate somebody, Matt? Sure. Well, do I mean you, what do you want to debate? I
2: want him and, and Billy to do a, the first Bible battle. That'd be awesome. You
1: got to find something we disagree on, which is usually movies or something stupid.
0: <laughs> that That's great. That's perfect. Colin <laughs> Nolan says, JP, any thoughts on any shows on, or shows on Patristics for Protestants. Now that Odin is asleep, <laughs> he's dead, I guess. Someone needs to carry the Paleo Orthodoxy banner.
2: What does he mean by shows?
0: I don't know. What do you mean by shows? Like podcasts he recommends or uh, persons that he thinks is. Oh, maybe he's saying you should do some shows on your new channel. Yeah, he's saying oh. you should do some shows on your new channel like that doing Odin-type stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I want to talk about that stuff. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, we could, I, I, I don't know if I'll do a series on it, but yeah, that stuff will come up um, for TRX. Or, yeah.
0: John McAllister says, best Bible kill, Ehud. Yeah, you guys are familiar with that, right, where he sticks him with the sword and the king is so fat that all his fat rolls out <laughs> over his hand and he can't pull his sword out? yeah i thought
1: jezebel would be a good one pretty sure she's the one that falls out a window and yeah breaks open on rocks and dogs eat it
0: They yeah. eat her. yeah yeah <laughs> oh man um well matt we could shut this down is there anything else you want to get off your chest this is your first time kind of on trinity radio
1: it is yeah honored to be here um uh, I just broke down. We've we've kind of taken a hiatus for those who might listen, and uh, but yeah, we're coming back. You can't
2: do that. That's how you you lose. You can't. You uh, you need you to do that. it by yourself if you have to do it by yourself.
1: You, you say that, but I don't know. I mean, we have three hundred episodes in a backlog, and and we we've got it's so. Yes, a lot of our stuff is around the gospel, universal witness, things like that. But it's kind of a wide variety of things, so I don't feel too bad about taking a, a break while. Coronavirus is going on and Billy's work situation is a little different, but when we get back to it, the idea is to kind of backtrack and start laying out systematically from theology, anthropology, uh, homardiology onward just what we know, what we believe now ha- as it's evolved over time and and get into discussions with people. So right?
2: you're going to do I like a confessions guess. episode and then also go into everything that you've changed your mind about. Um, yeah, pick some fights with
1: people, things like that.
2: No good. Hey, pick yeah. one with us. I don't care what it is. Okay. The dude that oh, got okay. hanged by his
0: hair is absolutely yeah, riding his horse. Yeah. And uh and uh Joab was it Joab? Joab, the head of the military under David, shot him with arrows. Right? Right, guys? Not Joab. Jo- Joab Joab. I, I don't know. I don't remember. It's a good thing this is just in the that tri- right?
2: way to go. Anyway, we don't know our <laughs> Bibles.
0: <laughs> um yeah, we'll be yeah. back at it. Yeah. So, uh, what else was I going to say? You're, you're talking. About, yeah. If you're interested in the question of what about people who never hear the gospel, how does God judge those people? What's going on with that? That is a big issue. Like Leighton Flowers' big thing is soteriology. If the Bible read, I had one thing. I think of it as being that. aliens.
2: Yeah, <laughs> <Aliens>. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but really, really,
0: why wouldn't you just have? Why wouldn't you just have one of your biggest fans over at Bible Bro down be your co-host when Billy's not around?
2: I'm your biggest fan. I'll do it. I've invited you on. We've talked about like things to talk. Uh, it,
1: we've discussed issues. But, I mean, uh, topics, but we haven't nailed anything down.
0: Yeah. We didn't nail anything gotta, down with this. Right, I you've gotta, gotta, you gotta say, we're gonna
2: talk about this, Pritchett, and then I'll think of something to say, but I don't. All
0: right, well, we're gonna wrap this up, but um,
2: cool.
0: listen, guys, it's been fun. And uh, check out the other shows on the Trinity Commission. And those are Leighton Flowers, Soteriology 101, The Bible Road Down with Matt Chisholm and Billy Whittlin, Steve Gregg's Narrow Path, And I know we've been saying this for a long time, but soon and very soon, there's at least two more that are going to be added. So look forward to that and we'll see you
1: next time.